Good morning. Today's reading comes from the book of James, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's just uh, pray for Chris as he comes to speak to us. Father, we just thank you for Chris. He's such a lad. <laughs> but we thank you for him. As, and uh, thank you for the words that he's going to bring to us today as we're thinking about the tongue and words. Just give him... Words can be so powerful. And just give Chris words that are powerful this morning. Give him words of wisdom as he shares your word with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank, you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, so, onwards with James we go. <laughs> Does it feel like to you that every time we get back to James, the next section just seems even harder than the last one? <laughs> or is that just me? Just, maybe it's just me. Um, so often when I'm preparing uh, to preach or teach on something, I often, and quite rightly too, feel the Lord ministering to me first. And James is one of those books where you cannot help but feel challenged and brought up short. 
So many times I felt like a hypocrite, preaching or teaching or advising others on something I know I haven't mastered myself. And the taming of the tongue is certainly one of them. You may remember a few weeks ago when we were being encouraged by James to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, that I confessed that I often do the reverse of this. I've been slow to listen and quick to speak, that my mouth is often shoe-shaped, that I have, um, because I'm always putting my foot in it. So I confess to you now, and I try to be as honest with you as possible, that though I'm your teacher, I am far from perfect. I'm in much needs of God's grace and mercy as anyone here today, and maybe even more so, because I will be judged more strictly. Love the way that passage opened up. Made me feel great. Yes, I will be judged more strictly for being your teacher, one who has influence over you and others. But whether we consider ourselves a teacher or not, we are all influencers. We all have the capacity to influence others. We all have the power to build each other up or tear each other down. Many of you will be familiar with the nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What do we think of this nursery rhyme? (laughs) Who agrees with it? Hands up if you agree with it. Yep, no hands going up. Apparently, it's, I did a little search on Google. Apparently, it's been around in some form since the mid-1800s. And its purpose was to persuade the child victim of name-calling to ignore the taunt, to refrain from physical retaliation, and to retain calm, uh, remain calm and good-natured. If we could just have a, the slide up, please. This is my dear late nan, my grandma. And uh, she passed away about eight years ago. Her anniversary was on Thursday. And recently, I've missed her a lot. I can't tell you why, but I have. And um, I want to share a really sad story about my nan, because when my nan was young, her mum died in a bombing um, in World War II. A shop she was in was bombed, and she died. And so my nan uh, was taken to live with her auntie. And that auntie told her, in no uncertain terms, that she should be incredibly grateful that she was taken in. And what a burden she would be on her auntie. Can you imagine? You've just lost your mum, you're orphaned, and your auntie, instead of embracing you with love, says that you should be incredibly grateful 
and you are going to be such a burden to me. Now, my nan, whenever she came to see us or we went to see her, but particularly when she came to see us, she couldn't sit still. She'd always want to help. She'd be in the kitchen. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? No, no, it's fine. We got it. You go sit down. Just rest up. No, no, no. I, I've got to be useful. I've got to help you in some way. And we'd keep saying, no, it's okay. Eventually, we just gave in. <laughs> just cut the beans, Nan, all right? Just cut the beans. Peel the potatoes. And she was happy then. As her age um, went on and her memory started to deteriorate, um, some of the trends that we saw in my nan got worse. And one of those trends, which stems from her upbringing, was that she always felt a nuisance. She always felt she was in the way. And so that's why she wanted to help, because she felt like she was valid then, that she had a place. And she said, oh, you don't want me here. I'm just a nuisance. I just get in the way. And we always had to say to her, Nan, we love you. We love you. We want you to be here. You don't have to do anything. We love you. But what her auntie had said to her was so deeply ingrained that she could not receive it. And when her memory started to go, and we were having the same conversations over and over and over again, it would often go round that track of her saying, she's a nuisance, she's in the way, we don't need her here. And we'd have to keep saying, no, we do. We do want you here. Nursery, the nursery rhyme that we heard earlier it denies the impact that words can have. The effect of negative words may not show outwardly like physical abuse, but they often affect us profoundly and can shape the course of our lives. And I'm sure there are many here today, like my nan, whose whole life has been marred and shaped by negative, spiteful words. But conversely, positive words can have a profound and long-lasting effect too. I'm sure many of you can think of people in your life who have spoken words of encouragement over you and directed you into life giving pursuits. In our last church in Braintree, there was an elderly lady who absolutely loved writing cards to people. I mean, I think she single-handedly kept Hallmark in business. I mean, my goodness. I was getting pretty much a card a week, most weeks, and it would always be encouraging. It would always be encouraging me in my ministry, but it would always be encouraging me in what we have in Jesus, what we share in Jesus, and how great it is to follow Jesus. She was a darling, and she wrote to so many people. You'd be in the minority if you hadn't received a card from Edna. She was an absolute dear. There's someone here in our congregation who emails me pretty much every week without fail to encourage me. 
and I love them for it. Um, they're a bit of a solitary voice. There's not enough of that. <laughs> so try and encourage one another a bit more. And also, I've received mentorship from several people in my life who have had a profound and life-giving effect on me. And again, maybe you've had the same. Um, words can be powerful. As we approach Lent, it's good to consider what happened to Jesus before he went into the desert to be tempted for 40 days. He was baptised by John, and then this is what happened. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, I've always been a bit perturbed by that because I think here's this amazing moment where Jesus is just being baptised and he senses the love of the Father and then the Spirit leads him into the desert to be tempted by Satan. What a contrast. And I always thought, wow, we, Lord, that's harsh. I think most of us, if we were in that position, would be going, Lord... I don't understand. You just told me you love me, and now I'm suffering in the desert and being tempted. What's going on? But you know what I've come to realize is that Jesus was going to the desert. But what did the Father do? He spoke words of affirmation over him before he went. He reminded him of his identity. And that gave Jesus the strength to endure all the lies and all the temptations that Satan would throw at him. I wonder if my, how my nan's life would have turned out if she had received such affirmation spoken over her all those years ago. Both these examples show us the power of words. They can inflict great harm or bring great affirmation. And James had some things to say about our tongues, didn't he? He said this in verses three to five. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Like a bit or a rudder, the tongue, though small, can direct the course of our life and the lives of others. One careless remark made without thinking can mar or ruin a relationship. And I don't think it's unheard of to say that we can often hurt those closest to us 
because we know what buttons to press and what words will cut the deepest. Words wield power. The tongue may be small, but it is mighty. The tongue is mightier than the sword, to misquote Shakespeare. One false rumour or accusation can wreck a person's career, can wreck their marriage, their social standing. We've seen this at times in the news, and I've seen examples of it with those who work with children, particularly teachers or people like that, where if a false allegation is made, they are guilty until proven innocent. But as we know, by the time their innocence is proven, the damage has already been done. And as we've seen in the news recently, and in the drama series, Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, false accusations against postmasters and postmistresses have resulted in people losing their livelihoods, their mortgages, their savings, their marriages in some cases, and in a few incidents, their lives. This leads James to declare in the message version, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Well, James isn't holding back here, is he? Not that he usually does, but certainly in this he's not. But for those of us who have lived with the consequences of destructive and deceitful words, we know, don't we, how easily they can wreck lives, how powerful they can be, how much damage they can do. It amazes me how one person's words or behavior can make all the difference in a group of people, be it church, families, workplaces, for the better or worse. And we've all experienced it, haven't we? Even now, even in this church family. James goes on to say, this is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father, which we've done in abundance today. Thank you, John, for leading us in worship. We've done that, and I've enjoyed it, blessing God our Father with our tongues. But with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. The tongue may be small, 
but it is a powerful instrument, able to build people up or knock them down, to praise or to curse. Words are powerful. So a question for you. If your words were to be weighed, hmm, what percentage of your words would indicate kindness, encouragement and affirmation as opposed to criticism, gossip or negativity? It's an interesting one to ponder, isn't it? Not a comfortable question. But here's the point. What we say matters. Whether in person or even worse, online. How easy do you find it to rattle off a message in anger and press send? You know, if I was to ask for a show of hands, I think most of them will be up. Mine would be on occasions. It's very easy, isn't it, when we're not in front of a person to say something we would never dream of saying to their face. We've got to be so careful, not just what we say verbally, but what we do with our words electronically, online as well. But here's the thing. The tongue is not the true problem. The tongue is simply a body part that does what it is instructed. The real issue is our hearts. Jesus said this, and I think this is where James draws his inspiration. Jesus says this, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if someone professes to be a believer of Jesus Christ and is going around gossiping about others, spreading rumors and doubts about their standing, if they're speaking lies and being malicious, then we would certainly need to question whether they have truly been born again by the Spirit. Now we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. We all stumble in many ways, as James points out. But to act and speak in a manner as described is to be a contradiction in terms. 
How can you be a Christian, Christian, if you are not reflecting Christ? How many people do you know who have been led to faith in Jesus Christ because they were captivated by a Christian who was being malicious, deceitful, and unfeeling? I don't know of anyone that's been brought to the faith through such an act. It doesn't add up, does it? It's not the type of fruit that should be evident from someone who has given their life to Jesus and been transformed by his spirit. We remember from our Ephesian series when Paul said this to the believers. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just in Christ God forgave you. He went on to say to the Galatian church, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself which, as we know, James called the royal law. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And breathe. Wowza. Lots to take in this morning, huh? Glad you came, aren't you? But look, we know, don't we? We do know the destructive nature of words and actions when love is not at the center of it. We've all experienced it. We don't want that, do we? We don't want it for ourselves, so let's not want it for others. And the thing is, we can't do this in our own strength. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And this is a gift from God. It's not achieved by our own efforts. For us to live the life of God, we need to be birthed by the Spirit, rebirthed by the Spirit of God. We need help 
from the helper, the Holy Spirit, who can empower us to live the lives we were destined for, who can restore us to true humanity. And we'll be thinking about this next week. But as we heard, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so we need to do a health check today. How is your heart? James, as I said, is a spiritual detox for us all. And so before we sing our last song, we're just going to allow a time for reflection and confession as we assess the health of our hearts. And so I just encourage you to get comfortable because you probably haven't felt comfortable to this point. (laughs) Good old James. And uh, we're going to just go through a short prayer, one that you'll be very familiar with. And I would just encourage you, as you wait, you may want to close your eyes, you may want to open your hands to receive what God has for you. But I would encourage you just that, that in the silence, be open and be honest with the Lord. So before I um, pray this, I'm just going to just do a short prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you now in confession, I pray that you would open our hearts and that your spirit would be at work, bringing us from death to life. Amen. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. and lead me in the way everlasting. Our Heavenly Father, we sing sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But we know this to be utter foolishness. Forgive us for believing such lies. We know the pain we have incurred from being on the receiving end of spiteful tongue. Would your affirming words of love over us in Jesus Christ bring healing to our innermost parts? 
Father, we confess that we praise you one minute and curse our brothers and sisters the next. We know that this is not good. Have mercy on us in Jesus Christ. By your Holy Spirit, help us this coming week, even after this service, to speak words to others and about others that seek their best. Words that seek to build them up so that we bring praise and glory to you, our God, in, his, in whose image they and we have been made. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.